Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of this week's show. Thank you to patrons including Tony Miles, Jack, uh, who joined us this week. Welcome, Jack. John M., Brian Jones, Neil Fisher, Paul Davison, Mark McAvoy, John Evans, loads more, all of whom we love dearly and are supporting us in the best way possible. From fan to us. (laughs) (laughs) Teachers in Hull were given detention this week after a bit of well-intentioned but ill-advised coursework resulted in angry parents asking why their children were being asked to research hardcore pornography and genital mutilation on Google. The Hull Daily Mail reported that teachers had asked 11 to 14-year-olds to define pornography, including soft pornography, hardcore pornography, transsexual pornography, as well as female genital mutilation, trafficking, male circumcision, breast ironing, uh, and more. One parent of an 11-year-old girl said her daughter was asking her about these topics because she was doing her lessons from home on the computer. Uh, The newspaper quoted her mother as saying they'd been told to use Google and she would have had to search all these things. She did a Google hardcore porn. She Googled hardcore porn, and some of the images that came up uh, were disturbing. She said, um, "The school in question has apologised after numerous parents complained." Now, this to me seems like the kind of thing that probably someone should have thought about in a bit more detail than asking eleven-year-olds who are working at their own computers at home to start googling. Um, pornography. But my question for you, Ian, is would this topic have played out any differently if this had been done in school? Or is this, do you think this is worse because it was being done on home computers where perhaps kids were left on their own without supervision and potentially there was no one who was stepping in? I can't imagine parents are sitting and spending all eight hours of a day behind no, their children no, while they study. Uh, well, no, it, because it's not possible, is it? I mean, you know, like, this is the big struggle for parents at the moment. And, you know, I'm aware that a lot of people choose not to have children and, you know, don't uh, probably care about the issues. But, yeah, you know, um, it's amazing how much, uh, you, you know, you need to... Even just doing normal schoolwork is challenging enough. Um, and it's interesting how quickly children learn how to use things. So, you know, like put them on an iPad and before long they've worked everything out and and so therefore at that point they're no longer safe to be left alone with these things without either parental controls being put in place or constant monitoring and I and my kids work on their on the iPads so that the school sets things um through a, a couple of different sites the biggest one being seesaw um and they have iPad apps so they can send their work through the iPad which is really good it works quite well actually uh, it lets them either do the, you know, use it up something like their finger to draw or an, an Apple pencil or, you know, whatever you might have on Android works on both. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. But they have to be on those devices to do it. And Izzy will just get on with her schoolwork and she's fine. But I'm not monitoring that. Um, fortunately, I think my kids school would not uh, answer, ask questions like this. It seems quite ridiculous for an 11 year old to be 
told to define those topics i i mean i want to be clear that, that obviously because this is a tech this is a tech topic um i i don't have um you know much to say about whether 11 year olds should be studying pornography or not although i kind of feel they probably shouldn't um it's really i suppose just about the nature of what uh, of how this research would necessarily need to be done because as charlotte and and john uh, rightly point out in our live chat if this had been done at school because of the strict nature of 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 educational filters that school networks have any of these searches would have almost certainly blocked everything that could have been at least an immediate shock or risk whereas at home that's not necessarily in any way the case and if it's a family computer that everyone uses or a family ipad or something it may well be that you know mummy and daddy don't want the porn to be blocked but they're also not expecting their 11 year old daughter to be googling genital mutilation and and transsexual pornography um which are worthy being studied, but just perhaps not yeah, at that I mean, age I... and not out of the confines of a restricted network environment. Yeah, and I, th- I think even if your, I think even if your um, network was restricted enough, I, I think that it, you know there's, it, it's it's a difficult topic to do without guidance. Um, I think there's some value to be said for explaining to children a bit about the world. I do think eleven is a bit young. I mean. Yeah, maybe 13, 14 is a bit more appropriate. But, you know, it's, I yeah, I, I think there is a difference between teaching children about, you know, staying safe online and being responsible and, and the normal, you know, health and safety stuff that we probably did to some extent as children. I don't remember it being brilliant. Um, but th- these sort of things invite problems in this particular example. You can't give someone Google and tell them to search, uh, you know, anything to do with pornography because it will return pornography. And that's not neither the intention of the teaching nor ideal for children. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, this so. is part of the curriculum, and and I did mean, I did mean to mention this, but thanks to to Charlotte who who pointed this out that it is part of the PSHE, which is what mm. is it, personal social health and yes, economic personal education, so, uh, health, no, health, health, personal social and health education. Is it okay? I thought it was economic. Yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, it's part. Of, it is part of the curriculum, and and and. It's not my place to argue about what's right and wrong um, in in schools because I don't I don't have kids. But I do think that this if this had been done in school, um, it would have been a lot safer than uh, than asking people to to Google it at home. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. I just I just don't think that that's a. I think this is a good example of what a textbook is for. You know, it rather than you know, and I know we're a tech podcast, but you know, if you if you hand kids a textbook that has definitions of these, then you can control what the definition is, and you can make it so that it's you know, like to explain the issues without giving them too much information or not enough kind of thing. Uh, whereas the internet is very bad for that kind of thing. Could you use Wikipedia for all these searches, and then you'd probably be at least protected from uh, imagery, but you would still probably have graphic language that wouldn't be ideal. Yeah, I mean, I have noticed on Wikipedia that there are many medical uh, and biological entries that do include mm. explicit depictions of things, but it's but it but but they're not shocking because they're they're clearly there for purpose. You know, they're just to illustrate yeah. a thing. Um, they're not presented in a in, well in this in this realm in a, in a sexualized way. It, it's they're being presented as you know 
here is a set of genitals. This is how they yeah. work. Um, yeah. This is and what kids happens. have genitals, so they're not surprised by their yeah. you know their existence. And yeah, I mean they'll find it funny, obviously, mm. because a photo of your you know someone else's genitals is inherently funny to them. Yeah. So. I get that. I, I mean, John. John makes. I mean, John is a, a teacher, so he's um, he, he in the live chat. So he's. Uh, I mean, I say he's in a teacher in the live chat. He's a teacher in real life, but he's in the live chat and is also a teacher. Um, he said it, a good idea is to create a web quest where the teacher creates pre-directed links um, that kids go to rather than just going to Google and searching. Basically, a, a, a form full of URLs that they can click and then from there use that as a starting point for for their research rather than just going to google and typing in hardcore porn which is mm. um perhaps unsurprisingly to those of us with knowledge of how the internet works only ever going to end in questions over <laughs> suitability um <laughs> but any thoughts anyone has on this obviously do let us know hello at uktechshow.com Gizmodo wrote that the BBC is once again dropping hints that BBC Three could earn itself a proper slot back on the terrestrial and satellite EPGs of the world um, because the uh, the channel's run with commissioning hits basically has made it seem a little more viable than it was several years ago. The potential comeback was revealed within the BBC's annual plan, which was published this week, and the Beeb wrote... Quote, BBC Three has been a hit machine. Such is its performance. We will consider the merit of restoring it as a linear channel. While young people would continue to predominantly watch BBC Three content online, we believe that with the depth of content we now have available, there are still more people we could reach through a linear channel. Now, it's worth recapping a little bit the history of BBC Three's relationship with the streaming world. It was originally, I think as far back as 2003, a terrestrial broadcast channel. So just like BBC One's and Two, you know, BBC's yeah. One and Two. Um, things like Gavin and Stacey came out of it. Fleabag, I think. Torchwood. Uh, this Country, which I've recently been watching and is absolutely brilliant. Um but BBC Director General Tony Hall announced about five or six years ago that the channel was going to be moved to the iPlayer only, and as part of that, have have it have its budget slashed slashed by a, more than a third. I think from about eighty five million to twenty twenty five million. They were part of of what it thought were necessary cost cutting moves. Um, but people got very angry. But the reasoning was basically that this is a channel for for the youth, for the young. Uh, and they want to watch stuff online, not on telly. So why not shove it all online and save some money in the process? So that's what they <laughs> did. But then the popularity of its actual commissions uh, was such that the BBC thinks that now actually maybe it belongs back on mainstream broadcast schedules, presumably in addition, obviously, to everything being available uh, online. Now, the the risk here... <clears throat> is that the BBC still needs to cut costs, huge numbers of costs, in fact. And if BBC Three is to get more investment and more terrestrial attention, then something else is going to get less. And rumours are that that may be BBC Four, the home of factual stuff and documentaries uh, that's staring rather witheringly up at the sharp end of an axe wielded by a masked 
commissioning <laughs> editor. <laughs> so, yeah, do you want some help? Shall I just step in at this point? I would love some help, please. <laughs> well, yeah, you're 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 right in what you say about uh, BBC Three. It was obviously um, it was originally BBC Choice, I believe. Um, it was it was one of the launch channels for well in that form for when the BBC started Digital Terrestrial back in the late 90s I want to say what was it 98 I can't what, even remember what, when, BBC, when BBC Choice came about yeah when we started having digital TV instead of just oh analog. I see. oh I don't I, I know I, you you if you don't know I certainly don't yeah top of my head. I think I, I, I want to say it was around eight, eight ninety eight ninety nine. is that too late yeah, no, it's not. Um, so yeah, so that was a thing, um, and obviously it it had struggled recently because young audiences, per, first of all, don't particularly gravitate towards the BBC, you know, um, and also they are there's there's Netflix and things like that, and so it was it was having an impact, and with online streaming, the BBC already has a very capable platform in iPlayer, and it seemed to make a lot of sense to save the money from traditional broadcast, which is very very expensive. And move it online, which is probably not that expensive in comparison. Um, but moving it back on back onto TV strikes me as a very weird decision. Uh, I think the audience for BBC Three is always going to be much more savvy. They don't consider things to be of a channel that you know. It's like I watched this streaming thing, uh, or I saw it on YouTube, or whatever. And I think that's perfectly reasonable for uh, young people. So having a branded channel just doesn't seem like a smart use of money to me and I would certainly be very reluctant to remove BBC4 which is uh, something that probably wouldn't work quite as well streamed only like it's good that it's on iPlayer but I, I just feel like having it as a channel makes more sense because it's aimed at older people uh, it's probably a much more traditional viewing model than anything else so Cutting that and putting that on uh, online only would be silly. I, I never understood why they had to get rid of BBC Three from broadcast anyway. Uh, I, well, because I feel people like... were watching it online. A huge percentage of people were watching it online rather than on terrestrial. Yes, in terms of but demographics and how it was splitting between the two. That would be perfectly acceptable in a commercial environment. But the BBC is a public service broadcaster and therefore it has to and does a really good job for the most part in considering that, um, you know, some people might, may, may not have uh, broadband at all or they may not have broadband good enough to do proper streaming. Uh, yeah, and, and people in lower income families will probably have a TV uh, and therefore they've got all the equipment they need in order to watch BBC Three. Whereas, you know, a laptop or a smart TV or something like that would be maybe too much money. So therefore, having a terrestrial channel, digital, uh, makes a lot of sense because it means that everyone can get access to it. Um, and, you know, and there's a there's a lot to be said. We've just had a conversation about kids on the internet. You know, if you're a parent and you want, you know, you think the kids would enjoy something on BBC Three, then you've got to give them a device that's capable of going online and then you know you don't you lose control of that don't you so mm. therefore there is something to be said for we we know that tv is a safe thing for most people uh therefore it's an easy win so there's a lot of stuff here i i, I personally think that it should be allowed to carry on and i don't I, at the time i did anyway and i don't see but i don't now see why you'd go to the effort of putting it back given that it's not currently there I mean, I think what BBC Three has done very well 
uh, with is creating an identity for itself. Because I think, I mean, I I can spot a BBC Three commission a mile off. You know, but from a thumbnail alone, I could I I would guess I could correctly identify a BBC Three original faster than I could identify an original from any other BBC property. Uh. You know, and not just because Perhaps. the thumbnails feature young young people or or people who dress like they are people that I would never hang out with because we have nothing in common, but just the some of the show titles and the way the way that the people in the pictures have been presented or the descriptions like you can you can just tell, and I think they've done an excellent job of creating that identity um I just don't know if that's an identity that that can withstand being moved into the prime time for the same reason as the same reason it didn't in the first place when it was shifted online it's 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 very strange to me i mean i, I yeah. suppose the equivalent i'm trying to think of what the equivalent would would be for say for our us listeners and it would be something like mtv coming out with all of its you know very young oriented reality stuff and saying well everyone's watching this online so we'll pull we'll pull mtv off cable and put it online and then everyone goes online and says well this kardashian thing or whoever broadcasts that um it seems to be really really popular so let's let's bung it back and instead yeah. we'll get rid of um i don't know some documentary well show. i i i my feeling is that there's you know and i've always sort of felt this way do you, i mean back in the day do you remember when lost arrived on uh, american tv some years ago I do. well so at the time and i remember this quite clearly the, the 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 first episode the pilot leaked it was one of the most expensive i think it probably was at the time definitely the most expensive pilot for tv ever shot it was incredibly ambitious um and it leaked online and there was a lot of hand wringing by the thing but what it did was it built it a lot of people saw it and were like this is amazing i'm going to absolutely watch this show uh, which probably drove people uh, back to tv to see it um I think the point is that what having BBC Three online allowed them to do was experiment a bit more because it was cheaper. They were able to find, through experience, program formats that worked and picked up traction and were considered very good. Um, and and that gave them a sort of a, an easy way to audition things. Moving it back onto TV then immediately means it's much, much more expensive. It, it's not more expensive to shoot because it's the same process. But it, it means that you've you know you've, you've got to go through all this rigmarole of putting it on a channel. Um, so therefore, perhaps the solution to this is um, that you, you know you you continue to do the online bit for the majority of it, and then you put the most popular stuff on a channel, um, and that gives you kind of and then maybe that channel will become so popular that it, it it expands further. But there is only a finite amount of money in the BBC's budget, and I can see why difficult decisions have to be made. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to say I wouldn't want to bring back BBC Three, which is already doing well online, at the cost of BBC Four, which we don't know if that would do well online. So I would say it's probably better not to do this than to do it. Mm. Well, anyone who has views on this, of course, send them to the usual place. Hello at UKTechShow.com. One thing I just wanted to mention is there's some praise going on for the show This Country in the Discord, a uh, BBC Three original. And having just watched all three series of it, I uh, discovered that there is a three-hour audio book on Amazon Audible that is uh, all brand new content uh, written and and uh, presented by the cast and is well worth the uh, the audible credit can, in um, order to go and listen to can you give me an elevator pitch for this thing so that i for know this, for not this I, country I watch it yeah 
think if if the office was about a little village in the Cotswolds rather than a little office in Slough. Okay. I I, uh, I can see your point there. That seems reasonably interesting. Know, it's farmers instead of paper retailers, and it's vicars instead of um, David Brent. Well, Fair no, enough. he's not the David Brent equivalent. But it's that vein. It's a docu. It's a docudrama. It's a mockumentary, um, and it reminds me of a, a lot of my childhood, even though I didn't grow up in the Cotswolds. Fair enough. Uh, well worth a listen. Did I Slash. demand that you watch Future Man on Amazon yet? Future Man. Exactly. No. That's that's that sums it up. It's 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 um. It, the first season is very very good. The second season and third season have a, a lull in the middle, but overall, it was a it was a very good show. Oh. I do I do I do commend it. I'm still in love with Stathlet's Flats. We've just watched those. It's probably my favourite TV discovery of the year, and I would I would probably include last year's TV What's discoveries. It? What's it called? In there, it's called Stathlet's Flats. S T A T H, Let's Flats. It's uh, it's on Channel Four. And it sits somewhere between Alan Partridge, Borat, and a little bit The Office as well. I, it's not. It's not a mockumentary, but that name is actually breaking my brain. Yeah, Stathlet's Flats. It's. It is. I. I, I absolutely adore it. It's. It's probably okay, one of the funniest shows I've discovered in the last couple of years. Can't keep leaving messages, man. The last tenants left it like a filth out here. There's an oven that's covered in a ladder. Al just picked up a brick and there was some salad underneath it. That's oh, fine. What? I... Have you seen how much crock there is on the floor? Put more crock on it. Man, I'm tired. You left me lonely with these sticks. I haven't even had an egg for energy or nothing. Ian, I wanted to spend the last part of this show talking about something that you're doing that forced us to record this podcast early today. You said that you are going to do a 24-hour gaming live stream. Yeah. For a reason you didn't actually explain, but you did say that it's going to be between Destiny 2 and Unreal Tournament. The latter well, yeah. of which I adore. So can you tell uh, us a little bit about this? Take us back to the beginning. Why are you streaming gaming for 24 hours? Well, so originally the idea was, and, and Marta is a uh, part of this, and she's in our chat at the moment. Um, we They've done a number of charity streams for 24 hours. So they sit down, they do, they do a stream, 24 hours, hope to raise the money. We wanted to do the same thing again, uh, but everyone's been so busy that that's sort of kind of fallen by the wayside. So not sure how we're going to approach that. I'm going to donate some money to a, a charity anyway, but the but I wanted to experience what it was like to do something for 24 hours without a break um, and then see whether or not that blew, broke my brain. Uh, but I, if anyone wants to donate to charities, I'm very happy to p- post some of the ones that we will probably be uh, involved with in some way. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I, it's very difficult with streaming and stuff like that. I, I, I haven't twitched very much in my life, uh, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, and we'll see whether or not anyone watches it because that's the big problem. You you know, with, for someone without an audience that pre-exists, you know, it's uh, it, it's 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 difficult to know 
whether or not you'd actually get any traction on it. But I've also, I'm curious, Marta's done it twice before um, and had good success with it. Uh, but the comedy of staying up for 24 hours playing a few games is, uh, is, is it undeniable, I'm sure. Uh, 24 hours is a long time to be awake uh, trying to focus on gaming. And yes, Destiny 2 is going to be a big part of it. We're, we're doing, we're going to do all the raids. So that's, Marta records that's probably 12 hours uh, and then we're going to go on to do sillier things once we're done have you ever heard of prop hunt no it's part of um it's gary's mod which is um oh yeah you know, yeah the, yeah before we get to the weeds about yes. that i just wanted to get, get take a step back a little bit how are you preparing then to do 24 hours of of <laughs> of live streaming are you well, going to have like a um <laughs> let's call it a, a comfort bottle or a, a, a bowl you, you don't have to be on the stream all the time. I mean, you know, like the idea is it's 24 hours of gaming. Uh, going to the bathroom is perfectly acceptable and will happen on a regular basis. Uh, I will need to go to the shop and track down some snacks and things to sustain me for such an extended period. Uh, there will need to be walking around at some point. We don't want anyone getting deep vein thrombosis. Uh, so it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But uh, this if is, I this was, is part if of the I plan. was sponsoring we, you, and and yeah. if you are being sponsored, then of yeah. course uh, I, I I will. Um, I wouldn't. I, I I think you should still carry on gaming if you go for a a poo or or go to the uh, shop. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not twenty four well, no, hours. I, I won't be going to the shops within the period of the, the stream. Uh, the only things that will be happening in that period that aren't gaming related will be going to get a snack, filling up my water, uh, having a coffee, uh, ruining my body with diet soda. Uh, so, uh, so that so it will be more than likely 20, 24 hours. What you've got to bear in mind with like the Destiny raid portion of this, anyway, is that. The raids move relatively slowly. There is always uh, a break when you wipe. You know, you you everyone dies or what? whatever. Oh, right. Sorry. So, you know, it's so a very different mental image there. But yes. <laughs> um, so there there will be there will be an element of uh, you know natural break in the stream. If you watch a Twitch streamer who's on for sort of between four and eight hours, there's almost nothing happens for ninety percent of it. Like you're in menus and all that kind of stuff, so that there'll be an aspect of that. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes, and then hopefully this this is kind of like a, a baby version. And if it goes well, then I imagine that everyone involved will probably do the stand up to cancer uh, drive again in October, and we'll see. Uh, but this will either make it or break it for me because you know we're lucky. It's a bank holiday weekend. We're doing eight pm Sunday tonight to eight pm. Uh, Monday, Bank Holiday Monday. So um, if it turns out that uh, I can't do it, I can. Well, I, I will be able to do it. But if I after it's finished, I can just go straight to bed, and the week will continue pr- probably largely as if nothing happened. Um, yeah, and I've got some holiday as well, so I'm I'm not going to be uh, jeopardizing my work life for uh, twelve hours of Destiny and some prop hunt. I, I didn't explain what prop hunt is. It's basically uh, hide and seek. Uh, but one, the team that's hiding can uh, disguise themselves as in-world items. Uh, so you know that might be a, a discarded uh, can of drink, or and then people have to go around and shoot things to try and work out who's hiding where. It's hilarious. I um I I, I said to Marta if she um if she wanted to unmute herself and come and talk about what it's like having done one of these twenty-four hour streams in the past, we'd be very interested. 
Hello. Hello. Um, so you've done one of these 24-hour – well, you've done several of these 24-hour streams before. What's, what's, the, what's the hardest part of doing a 24-hour gaming stream? Um, by far, the hardest part is actually the time between 5 a.m. and 8 a.m. It's, it's the worst. It's because you've already gone all night. Um, and, and that's when your body start, starts trying to tell you, stop, don't, enough, you know, and you're still trying to just get through the, the slog of it. And, um, hopefully like, and that's usually when we switch to something simpler because nobody has like something like prop hunt because nobody has any mind capacity left to figure out destiny 2's raid mechanics <laughs> um but we've tried so we've we've experimented with time right because the first one we did was i think uh 9 p.m or 10 p.m until 10 p.m the next day uh and then the second one was we started 10 a.m and then finished at 10 a.m the next day um and we found that the, the next worst part was if you finish at 10 a.m you still have to stay awake for the rest of the day or you genuinely get jet lag it's really it's an experience it makes sense doesn't it if you think about it because the way we're doing it now it will finish at eight tomorrow anyone who's completely ruined can just pretty much go straight to bed yeah. uh, and you know uh, so it's 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 not the end of the world and, and you know a good night's sleep should make up for the 24 hours of or the you know the 12 hours previously of missed sleep uh so yeah so that's yeah. that's that. I, I, um, Nick's asking in the chat whether we're uh, it, whether it's one game or we'll um, always switch. Yeah, we uh, we do switch for exactly the reason you just said. Yeah. So it's um, the first twelve hours or so. Uh, we're gonna try to finish every single Destiny Two raid, which is a six-person endeavor where you have multiple levels, and it's not just here's a bunch of you know enemies, shoot them all. It it has very complicated. Uh, area puzzles and mechanics and each individual player has a role to play you have to be really organized and communicate well which is where the hilarity happens as you <laughs> get more time in repeatedly as you, as we in the gaming world say wipe um but uh yeah it, so that's the first one and then to sort of palette cleanse if you will uh we go do sillier things like prop hunt and i'm still looking for that clip of me running around as a pc <laughs> being shot at and screwing <laughs> pc master race and serpentine um it's it's that kind of weirdness we're also going to be playing um uh, murderous pursuits which is a really cool little game by uh by a uk studio uh indie studio uh oh my god the I don't have that me. yet. I need to buy it, don't I? And download yeah. it. It's it's a really, really cool kind of again, who done it hide and seek steampunky thing and yeah, it's it's just great fun as a multiplayer game. But this one's the first uh one that we're also gonna have Americans on our stream. <laughs> it's funny that you didn't use an American accent to uh <laughs> I know <laughs> to announce that. You sort of went Americans. Uh, yeah, sort of a bit Eastern European south russian uh, yeah. which you do very well of course <laughs> being slovenian but um interesting yeah. it's it's gonna be it's gonna be something that you can very easily you know tune into have like laugh along with us or at us your choice uh and then exit and come back to it later um one thing i wanted to highlight around prop hunt is it's the thing is 
it'd be so difficult to try to find anybody because you're basically using uh, the Counter-Strike source engine, I guess, to to uh, have all this. And, and you can basically turn yourself into any object that has physics attributed to it. Um, and you can blend so well that if the hunters were able to just shoot anything at will, that you just go, you know, mow the lawn, so to speak until you find everybody, but you actually take damage if you shoot something that isn't a player. Um, so you have to be careful. And then you have sound clips that you can play as taunts that the closer you are, the louder it gets. Um, and oh, wow. that can be anything. It's a lot of clips from different shows and movies, and we, this time, for the first time ever, <laughs> we've created our own taunt pack. So yeah, it's it's basically things, dumb stuff that one of us has said from mostly from the Destiny raids, actually, uh, where we're you know someone's exclaimed something or said something inappropriate by accident. Uh, so those are the taunts we're using. So it should be quite entertaining to watch, I think. But well, we'll include a link uh, in the MP3 description, in the Discord, on the Patreon page, in the show notes at uktechshow.com for anyone who wants to stream this live and we'll link to whatever we can. I'm sure Ian and Marta will send over some links that we can include on the yeah. blog at uktechshow.com to see some of these older older things. Um, Marta, thank you ever so much for, um, for, for, for coming on and, uh, and, and joining us. Thanks for inviting me. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Well, text message keeps you informed about the British tech landscape, of course, but let's check in with Tom Merritt, Daily Tech News Show, and find out what's been happening in the wider daily world of technology over the last week. This week on Daily Tech News Show, Ant Pruitt helped us understand mirrorless cameras in advance of the Canon R5. We covered all the cool announcements from supercomputers to Windows Power Tools out of Microsoft Build. Why the new U.S. trade rules targeted at Huawei might not affect Huawei at all. And we discussed why Netflix is canceling subscriptions from inactive accounts, as well as celebrating the AI achievement of a generative adversarial network that can create Pac-Man from scratch. Happy birthday, Pac-Man. All that <laughs> and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Yeah, well, that sounds I, I, great. Yeah, the the Pac Man, the Pac Man is is great because it reminded me that its original name was Puck Man, but they had to change it for uh, Western ears <laughs> to to avoid any risk of it being mispronounced. 
Um, but yeah, uh, but do check D- uh, DTNS. Uh, I particularly enjoyed this week, actually, the uh, explanation of how mirrorless cameras work. It's uh, something I use all the time, but hearing a, a nice, concise, technical explanation of how they compare to old-style uh, DSLR cameras, it's well worth checking out. So that's at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I also wanted to promote uh, an extra message that I did earlier this week because we didn't talk on the show about Spotify getting uh, an exclusive deal with the, the podcaster Joe Rogan because it didn't feel like it didn't really feel very UK tech newsy um, but it, it's very inside baseball for me as a podcaster uh, of many years to, to talk about so that's out at patreon.com slash UK tech for all of the patrons that get extra message um, because I, I used it as a way of exploring the last 15 years of my slight annoyances with um, with big broadcasters and radio stations and now uh platforms using podcasts um as a as a as collateral damage in their expansion uh plans but um i i've since decided that actually spotify getting exclusive podcasts is probably good for podcasting uh, overall and for the little guy so that's uh, a 20 minute extra show that's out as extra message uh, at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Hope some of you may check that out. Ian, it's been a great pleasure of mine, and I do believe I speak on behalf of everyone listening that it's been moderately interesting for them <laughs> as well. It's been great. Um, it's been wonderful. And I think we've achieved our goal of having a slightly less serious show this week that was, uh, yeah, a, a little bit of light relief, shall we say. I was just, I, I've been so jaded by every single conversation being about COVID-19 and we could have talked about the COVID-19 contact tracing apps, but to be honest, I just sort of feel like we need a bit of a break. We need to talk about live streaming games. We need to talk about schools getting kids to Google things that were ill-advised and uh, and, and things that are a little bit more, a little bit more fun and, and cathartic to discuss than... Um, the depressing nature of a pandemic so i hope that's been okay with everybody and we'll continue to do this as ever next weekend which is when we'll see you next take care everybody say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100 online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.